This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall is speaking out about a case that involves Alabama's Congressional District 1 and the U.S. Supreme Court. The case involves the state and plaintiffs who claim the congressional district is being gerrymandered according to race. Marshall spoke with FM Talk 106.5 out of Mobile with Sean Sullivan. Yeah, I think it's it's the most significant uh, Supreme Court argument we've had during my time, and that is uh, we're battling to preserve the integrity of the, of the first congressional district. You know, we had uh, litigation following the census in our uh, legislature adopting basically the same map that we had in 2010 to be for for the 2020 uh, moving forward. Uh, three judge panel has ordered the state to draw two majority black districts, um, which is completely contrary to uh, what is the the prescribed factors for what the legislature is supposed to look at. They're not supposed to look at race. In fact, they're supposed to look at a majority of factors unrelated to race when they draw these districts up. Uh, we were pleased to get the stay at the Supreme Court, but uh, we've got to have that argument on October 4th. And I can tell you that Alabama really is ground zero uh, relating to redistricting in the country, and the court's going to have an opportunity to really talk about what, uh, what the Voting Rights Act means and, and what are the requirements on sovereign states and drawing those districts, uh, particularly as, as it involves the congressional districts. That case will be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court this coming October. Marshall says this case is going to set a precedent for other states engaged in their own redistricting. Well, we're going to have the argument on October 4th. You know, the court will then take that case under advisement. I would expect that we'll see uh, a decision, uh, I'm not going to say within a month, but fairly quickly because the court understands that there is um, you know, a real need to be able to resolve this issue nationally. That's one of the reasons why they elected to take our case. But I can tell you the folks, for example, in Louisiana uh, were able to get a stay because they likewise un, uh, made the same argument, and they, and they clearly are watching uh, very closely what the court does in our case because it will impact what's going on there as well. Alabama's Department of Corrections has now officially admitted that it's not ready to perform a new type of execution method, death by nitrogen hypoxia. A federal judge set today as a deadline for the ADOC to either confirm or deny that this new method was going to be used for inmate Alan Miller on September 22nd. Alabama Corrections Commissioner John Hamm was actually in court before the judge on Thursday saying that the state cannot execute Miller through this nitrogen hypoxia method at this time. Miller has taken his case to court seeking to block his lethal injection from going forward, saying it's not the method he chose to take back in 2018. The attorneys for inmate Casey White are seeking to remove a death penalty option as he heads to trial soon. White is being charged with the 2015 murder of Connie Ridgway of Rogersville. His trial will start in December in Lauderdale County. The county district attorney, Chris Connolly, has not indicated whether or not he's going to seek the death penalty for White. The defense's argument included a 2017 law that prevents a judge from overriding a jury's conviction if that conviction does not include a death penalty sentence. White is already serving time for a different murder back in 2015, and once this Ridgeway trial is over, he will then go on to face further charges in the death of Officer Vicki White, who inmate White escaped with earlier this year, and the two went on an 11-day run from police. 
A race between two cars in Bullock County has now resulted in the death of a pedestrian. The Alabama Law Enforcement Agency says that 21-year-old Quee Darius Williams of Union Springs died days after being struck by one of the vehicles after the two vehicles were drag racing. The race occurred on two county roads. Aaliyah is asking anyone with more information on this case to contact them at 334-676-7250. A third Bucky's Convenience Store and Travel Center is getting ready to open its doors in Alabama. The Athens-based Bucky's is going to hold a big hiring event on October 11th through the 13th at the Decatur Doubletree Hilton Hotel. About 250 positions will need to be filled. Jobs start at $16 an hour, on up with benefits and a three-week vacation. Construction of the facility started last November in northern Alabama and is expected to wrap up by the end of this year. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, more details are coming to light about a contract that the Biden administration signed with Acuity International regarding illegal migrants. This new system is to monitor illegal aliens here in the U.S., but the contract specifically forbids any use of GPS technology in keeping track of their whereabouts, specifically the use of an ankle monitor. The Washington Free Beacon is reporting on this contract which was signed in June, the first payment of $16 million was made this past September 1st. The total amount of this contract is just under $80 million. The program by Acuity International will instead require monthly check-ins via phone. This means that cell phones will be provided by the U.S. government to the illegal migrants, along with an assigned caseworker. This new contract is all part of an alternatives-to-detention program that the Biden administration initiated as the U.S.-Mexico border has become overrun by illegal crossings and White House refuses to deport them, the Washington Free Beacon spoke with former director of ICE, Ron Vidiello, who said there's nothing at the end of this program. If the illegal alien decides not to report in, that's it. Uh, they're now a fugitive within the interior of the U.S. And while we're on the subject of illegal aliens, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has put about 100 of them that were in his state on two planes and since flown them into Martha's Vineyard, On Thursday, videos of the illegal aliens disembarking from the plane are out there. Martha's Vineyard leadership has now declared a humanitarian crisis for their neighborhood. DeSantis joins two other governors in this effort to alleviate the influx of illegals in their own state. That would be Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and Doug Ducey of Arizona. Here's Governor DeSantis after those planes were confirmed to have landed in Martha's Vineyard. Biden would fly people in the middle of the night dump them all across this country. There was no warning on any of this. And all those people in D.C. and New York were beating their chests when Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk and they're so upset that this is happening and it just shows you you know their virtue signaling is a fraud okay they apparently governor greg abbott is trying not to be outdone by desantis because on the very same day that those florida planes arrived in martha's vineyard two buses unloaded illegals in front of the naval observatory in washington dc which is where vice president kamala harris lives the illegal aliens come from venezuela uruguay colombia and mexico The highest court in the state of Delaware has ruled that mail-in voting is unconstitutional. This is, by the way, the home state of Joe Biden. Democrat lawmakers passed a law that was signed by the governor, which allowed for mail-in ballot voting without an excuse. 
Now the vice chancellor of the Delaware Court Chancery ruled against the state law. Five plaintiffs from the Delaware Republican Party filed the lawsuit in July, including Jane Brady, the former attorney general for that state. Brady says the Constitution provides for in-person voting on Election Day with limited conditions for absentee voting. Brady also said that the majority of voters in that state are not in favor of mail-in voting, and that is why the governor signed that bill into law in a very private signing party. States like California, Hawaii, Nevada, Washington, Utah, and Vermont are states that have made mail-in voting a permanent practice. Have you posted anything to Facebook about the election of 2020, or have you expressed doubts about the integrity of the government? You may have had your personal information sent on to the FBI. The New York Post is reporting that Facebook has been spying on private messages and other information of Americans with accounts on that social media platform. Apparently, these private messages were then sent to the Domestic Terrorism Operational Unit at the D.C. FBI headquarters. One source told the New York Post that the effort was done outside of the legal process of a subpoena and without probable cause, and that private conversations are protected by the First Amendment. These private messages were considered to be leads by the FBI, which then prompted that agency to request subpoenas from U.S. attorney's offices in the districts where the person being spied on lived in. In that way, they were able to backtrack in making the operation look legal. What another source revealed is that those red flagged by Facebook were all conservative right-wing people who were outraged at the results of the election, but nothing violent or criminal ever materialized from their comments. Erica Sacken is a spokesperson for Facebook. She says these claims by the New York Post are all wrong and a misunderstanding of their system for protecting people but still engaging with law enforcement. Interestingly enough, Sacken once worked for Planned Parenthood and Obama for America before she worked for Facebook. The U.S. Senate is now delaying its vote on a bill that legalizes same-sex marriage at a federal level. The vote will be pushed out to a date beyond the November midterm elections. The sponsor of the bill, Democrat Tammy Baldwin, says she's still confident the bill will pass. However, when word came out that a vote on the bill was set for this month, many Republicans came out with strong opposition to it and diminished the possibility of gaining 10 favorable GOP votes that would bypass the 60-vote threshold needed to avoid a filibuster. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure and check out the 1819 News podcast, where host Brian Dawson sits down with ACLL attorney Matt Clark to discuss and celebrate the good things that have happened here in Alabama and across the nation, in particular, the recent U.S. Supreme Court win that overturned Roe v. Wade. I remember where I thought courts only made good decisions. There was a time in my life where I just blindly trusted the institution so much, and then hearing about, you know, kind of the politicization and legislating from the bench and all these things as I've gotten older and gotten involved in politics and it's, it's scary stuff. So, um, you know, for all these crazy things that are happening and all these, you know, horrible things in our country and in our state that can become overwhelming at times, you know, God is still working and you can see that when the Supreme court comes through with just three grand slam decisions, there was really, I think another one, Forget which one it was. There was there was four, but those were the three. But in West Virginia versus EPA, where, where yes, they, they that's killed. it. Yeah, okay. that's it. I can talk about that one too if you yeah. like. But yeah, that was a major win. <laughs> Matt can talk about it all. We'll, we'll keep them all day. <laughs> well, yeah, no, go ahead, jump in. Um, let's start. Obviously, Roe v. Wade, the biggin. Um, talk about that from a constitutional perspective. What happened, and then and then from a biblical perspective. Absolutely. All right. So, um, I think you know Roe v. Wade was the the thing that 
got many evangelical Christians involved in the political process saying, you know, we, when you get to the point where, um, you're, you're murdering innocent babies, uh, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. And we got to try to do something about that. So for, for many of us, uh, this has been something that we've been praying for and fighting for, for, uh, for, for years or even decades. Um, so getting to see Roe finally fall is is the answer to to many prayers, and and I think uh, I think the court's decision in Dobbs is going to go down as the greatest uh, Supreme Court decision in U.S. history. I agree with you, Brian. Now that the court admitted that it messed up and it made it right, you know my confidence in the judiciary goes up, not down, and I think many Americans are thinking the same thing. You can find more of that podcast at 1819news.com under the podcast tab. I'm Andrea Tice. I will be back again on Monday. Until then, have a fabulous weekend. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 